Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we continue to focus on the 2018 FIFA World Cup, with the tournament finally underway in Russia. We talk to Nigeria striker Simi Nwankwo, who's unexpectedly found his way into the squad and is enjoying seeing his dream come true. Even when I'm not playing much, I kept on working hard. You know, I kept on pushing. I, I never lost uh, concentration. I always believed in what I'm doing. Also, we chat about our most memorable World Cup games over the years. And away from the tournament, we go to Ghana and get reaction to the corruption scandal that's caused shock, not only in Ghana, but also throughout African football. The biggest question lingering on a lot of minds is, are there any clean people in Ghana football or African football? So we are underway. The FIFA World Cup runs until the 15th of next month. And what a way to start with a thumping 5-0 win for the hosts Russia over Saudi Arabia. And certainly that raising the excitement levels there in Russia. Looking forward to some great action and we'll have to see how far an African team can go and who will lift the trophy. And we'll be following the action here on Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, the day before the tournament kicked off, uh, that was on Wednesday, the vote was made to decide who would host the 2026 edition of the World Cup. And as expected, the combined bid from the USA, Canada and Mexico beat Morocco's bid, uh, winning resoundingly by 134 votes to 65. Morocco has bid five times and lost on each occasion. Well, the 2026 tournament will be the biggest World Cup ever held, with 48 teams playing 80 matches over 34 days. Uh, 60 of those will be played in the USA, 10 in Canada and 10 in Mexico. Of the 211 FIFA member nations, 200 voted, and of the 54 African nations, 41 supported Morocco, while 11, including Zimbabwe and South Africa, voted for the US, Canada and Mexico bid. Morocco were not allowed to vote and the Ghana FA is suspended so couldn't vote. Well, Morocco's bid was only rated at 2.7 out of 5 by FIFA, compared to 4 out of 5 for the combined bid. So unless there was going to be some dramatic late football politics, the US, Canada and Mexico bid always looks set to take it, especially as uh, they say there's an estimated $11 billion in profit for FIFA when they host. Well, as all that was happening, uh, teams were arriving in Russia for the World Cup. Uh, Nigeria arrived on Tuesday, carrying again a lot of hopes for Africa. And they start their campaign on Saturday night against Croatia. Difficult one, that, but uh, this is the game that they have to win, really, to have a strong chance of qualifying for the second round. Nigeria then play Iceland and then the group favourites Argentina. We've spoken to one Super Eagles player who's delighted to have made it to the World Cup. That's Simi Nwankwo, a striker who has only two appearances for Nigeria, but has attracted a lot of attention since scoring a superb overhead kick for his Italian Serie A side Croton against Juventus. A few weeks later, Nwankwo finds himself in Russia. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to Nwankwo and first asked how he felt about scoring such a great goal. 
No, it's not about getting the headlines. There are always moments that uh, we have to re remember for any, any player's career and or life. So that was just a moment that I have to live with. And, uh, you know, it just happened. It's a goal that, like one other goals. But it was a beautiful goal against a good team. So maybe that's why it's, it became uh, something big. But it's just, for me, it's just beautiful. I just enjoyed the moment and then started thinking about the next game immediately so I didn't have time and even now I to be honest I've not even went back to watch the videos maybe when we are done with everything I can have time for that from that goal and then your consistency um, for Crotone despite being a struggling side you are in the Super Eagles stuff of dreams yes I'm living my dream to be honest but it's not just about the goal and about the late rush and everything I think it's all the consequence of the hard work out by the years and then by the start of the season, even when I'm not playing much, I kept on working hard. You know, I kept on pushing. I, I never lost uh, concentration. I always believed in what I'm doing at the end. Time always comes about for every player. I just have to wait for it. And I waited for my time and when it arrived, I just took it in both hands and I kept on doing what I'm doing. Nothing changed, to be honest. I didn't change the way I started working at before or when I started playing. For me, it's the same. Every time is the same, so I keep doing what I'm doing. Then now I'm here, I'm living my dream, so I'm so happy. It's a childhood dream to be in the national team. It's a childhood dream to be playing in Europe. It's a childhood dream to play in the Champions League in the World Cup. But for me, World Cup is so, so, you know, it's an amazing tournament. And You are a completely different striker to what everyone's seen in Nigeria. People have likened you to Kanu Ankur. They said, oh, Simeon the new Kano and all of that. Do you understand that comparison? And um, is it something you think mm, maybe they are right or maybe that's too much? No, I don't. I can't compare myself to, to my idol, my childhood idol growing up. It's impossible, you know. You just have to, somebody I looked up to and I just can't see myself being compared to him. For me, okay, if that comes out from the public and the media, okay, fine. They have something to talk about, but I know deep down myself, I know, I know what it means to be Kano and I know what it means to be to have him as an idol and I appreciate that I appreciate what he did I appreciate everything he did you know it's amazing if I can just get 10% of what he did I think I'll be fine <laughs> I don't have to jump into his shoes because it's, it's going to be too big for me to handle <laughs> your good friend your roommate um, Joel Obi talked so much about you your friends you hang out in Nigeria um, in Italy in Milan and all of that we don't get to see a lot of Nigerians playing in the Italian Syria how difficult is that league yeah, it's a very difficult league, but I think when I came in, you know, the shock was big, the difference from Portugal and the transition. Though I had a good formation in Portugal, you know, but the culture was totally different. Then Joel was uh, one of the best things that happened to me around, you know. Then uh, Italian league is, is quite difficult, to be honest. It's really, really tough and tactically it's the best in the world, I can tell you that. doesn't make it more or less exciting than the others, but when you talk about the tactical awareness, it's something extraordinary. The structure is so nice and... It's really good, and to be any player that comes in there, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be the same way you leave. So, it's really, really strong league. That's Nigeria striker Simin Wanko speaking to Oluwashina Okaleji, and we'll see if he gets a game in Russia, and hoping that all goes well for Nigeria. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, as we continue in World Cup mode, we go back over the years and chat about some of our most memorable World Cup games. There have been a lot of classics, some involving African teams. Uh, so, Stuart, you can go first on this one. Lots to choose from for you. I'm privileged in having been to the last four World Cups where I have seen some great games. I've also seen England draw nil-nil with Nigeria and Algeria, neither of which were at all memorable. 
I've seen Germany crush Maradona's Argentina 4-0. In 2002, I saw the host Japan beat Russia 1-0. I was sitting among the Japanese fans and didn't dare do anything but jump up and shout and cheer for Japan. Steve, I hope this isn't cheating, but I want to choose two memorable games. In 2010, in Cape Town, I was at the semi-final between Uruguay and Netherlands. Uruguay played really well, scored two goals, but Netherlands won 3-2. Wesley Schneider was the outstanding, controlling midfield player. He was arguably the best player in that World Cup, but it was a tight call when you think of the Spanish midfield of Xavi and Iniesta. Then Ian Robbins scored a brilliant winning goal. What a player he was, well, despite that reputation for diving, and Netherlands were brilliant. But what a shame that when they reached the final, they were so disappointing and seemed to be more concerned with stopping Spain by fair or foul means than playing themselves. Spain were the defending champions in 2014, and I had seen them play in South Africa on their way to the title. But the game I saw in 2014 was Spain against Chile in Rio, and Chile won 2-0. Now, that Spanish team included Casillas, Iniesta, Alonso, Sergio Ramos, Fernando Torres, Diego Costa, but they lost, and it really was the end of an era for that great Spanish side, which had been European champions and then World Cup champions in a space of two years. But what I will always remember about that game is the Chilean fans who sang Ole, 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 Chile, 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 seemingly from the first moment to the last. That's what the World Cup is all about. Yes, we were together at that game in Rio. It was unforgettable. Uh, this is the sound of those Chile fans. Brilliant. Uh, okay, Solomon, so how about you for your most memorable World Cup match? Well, my most memorable World Cup game, Steve, uh, happened in Italia 1990. And it was a game that was played in the round of 16 between Cameroon and Colombia. The game was very dramatic because the game went on into extra time and three goals in extra time and two goals from Roger Mila for Cameroon uh, before Colombia replied. And his actually his first goal came through uh, that disastrous mistake uh, by uh, Rene Higueta, the goalkeeper who tried to dribble Roger Mila. But Roger Mila got the ball from him, slotted it into the net, ran to the, the corner flag and danced the usual and uh, the dance that has become a signature for Africa, for Cameroon, and also for Roger Mila, the celebration in itself, and two kick goals that he scored. And remember, he only came in in the second half, around the 50th minute, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a sub player. Not just because of that, he was the oldest player at the World Cup, one of the oldest players to ever play at the World Cup also. Having Africa also qualifying, a team from Africa qualifying for the first time into the quarterfinal, which was a great achievement for African football fans uh, who celebrated with Cameroon, not just as a Cameroon victory, but as an African victory. 
Yes, and let me take it from there for my most memorable World Cup matches. Uh, that quarter-final game between Cameroon and England in Italy in 1990 has to take it for me. England were strong favourites to win, but uh, Cameroon represented Africa superbly in a really dramatic contest. England led 1-0 at half-time. Cameroon equalised with a 61st-minute penalty taken by Emmanuel Kunde, and they led four minutes later through Eugene Ekeke. They continued to play beautiful attacking football when perhaps they should have been more cautious. And with eight minutes to go, England got a penalty. Gary Lineker converted and it went into nail-biting extra time. And there was heartache for Cameroon and for all of Africa when England had another penalty midway through extra time and Lineker scored it to make it 3-2. It was so, so close, but nonetheless, a milestone for Africa back in 1990. And then another one I'll never forget was at the 1994 World Cup in the USA, where Nigeria lost 2-1 to Italy after extra time. Uh, This really was a Nigeria team that should have been good enough to get to the quarterfinals or even the semifinals. Uh, The likes of JJ Okocha, Rashidi Yakini, Finidi George, Daniel Amakachi, coached by the Dutchman Clements Westerhoff. Well, in this game, in the second round, the Super Eagles led 1-0 at half-time, a goal from Emmanuel Amunike, and they played so well. Italy went down to 10 men on 76 minutes when Gianfranco Zola was sent off. So Nigeria seemed to be heading to the quarter-finals, only for Roberto Baggio to equalise in the 89th minute to take it to extra time, and Baggio then converted a penalty in the 102nd minute. So Italy beat Nigeria by two goals to one after extra time, and that was truly heartbreaking for fans all around Africa. And again, I'd say we've never seen a Nigeria team as strong as that one since then. And I know a lot of other people talking of most memorable World Cup matches and heartbreaking for Africa would certainly mention Ghana's quarterfinal against Uruguay back in 2010 in South Africa, where Luis Suarez blocked the ball with his hand in the dying seconds and Asamoah Jan blasted the penalty against the crossbar, only for Ghana to lose in the subsequent penalty shootout. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. You can also listen on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, next we turn to social media and uh, most of the world's best players will be in Russia for the World Cup. The likes of Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Mohamed Salah and many more. So last week we asked, which players do you think will shine at the tournament? Well, again, we've had another huge response, uh, so we'll get through as many as we can. And apologies if we don't get to read out your comment. Uh, on Facebook first, and Arjuna K. Hajj in Kampala, Uganda, says, I think most of the Brazilian and German players will shine alongside Ronaldo for Portugal following his victory in the Champions League with Real Madrid. Uh, Sana Jaune in the Gambia says Messi will be the best player in the tournament. He definitely needs to win this World Cup. 
On WhatsApp, many agree with Sana. Uh, Lamine Sana in The Gambia says, I'm rooting for Messi to shine and to lead Argentina to glory. Uh, Mohamed Aikinte from The Gambia agrees, saying the number one player to shine at this World Cup will be the best player ever. That's Lionel Messi. And take it from me that he will be the tournament's leading scorer, says Mohamed. Famara Jaula, also in The Gambia, agrees, saying Messi will be the best player and win the World Cup this time. And uh, let's get a voice note here from Michael Mbaka. For me, the player that will sound best at this particular World Cup, my prediction goes to Lionel Messi. Even though I am not a Barcelona fan, but I know what Messi is capable of. Because if you look at the players that Messi has and compare to the players that Cristiano Ronaldo has, you will now see the difference. Thanks, Michael. So can Messi win the World Cup this time with Argentina? That's a big question. And also from the Gambia, here's Ali Mami Fofana. As for me, I'm not even thinking about Messi, Ronaldo, Mane and Salah. I'm thinking about this young, young player like Rashford, you know, Bampe. These are players we have to look for. This player, they will shock the world. Thanks to Alimami Fofana. Uh, Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone says Mohamed Salah will outshine both Messi and Ronaldo. We'll see if that will be the case. And that's a view shared by Amadou Bella Jallo in The Gambia. Says, I'm a big fan of Ronaldo, but I expect Salah to do better. Sam Chiquilera in Malawi agrees, saying that Salah will prove the Europeans wrong. But Agemo, a Cameroonian living in the USA, says, I don't think Salah will have a great World Cup since he's coming back from injury, but I hope he proves me wrong. My pick is Messi because I think he really needs to win the World Cup to validate himself as one of the best ever. He'll be fully motivated and will give his best to help Argentina to win the World Cup and to be named the player of the tournament. Thanks for that, Gemo. In Malawi, Noble Botamani can't decide between Mohamed Salah and Lionel Messi, but saying that both will shine. And these two also have caught the eye of Yusufa Jobate in the Gambia, saying that Messi will shine. I think Salah, if he's fit, will do well too. To Ghana now, and Daniel sees two players making a big impact. In tournaments such as the World Cup, every player plays his heart out, says Daniel. And over the years, we've seen players flop who were expected to shine on the big stage. I believe the World Cup in Russia will be an exciting one. And though there are many players with lots of skills and individual brilliance, I tip Kevin De Bruyne of Belgium and England's Ruben Loftus-Cheek to shine brighter than the sun, says Daniel. Ugis Sis is in the Gambia. It's going to be a wonderful tournament for the teams that are there. I believe there'll be some shock results, says Ugis. The stars like Ronaldo, Messi, Mane and Salah and Neymar will do well for their countries. And I must tip Brazil with their young, talented players to lift the trophy in Moscow. Yusufa Silla in the Gambia picks out the Nigeria striker who plays for Arsenal. Alex Iwobi is a young, intelligent player who always forces his opponents to make mistakes so he can create chances, says Yusufa. Jimmy James Perezi in Uganda and Abdullah Keba in the Gambia both go for Brazil striker Neymar and Obina in Nigeria agrees, saying the enigmatic Neymar is always my prime suspect. Mohamedou Haidara in the Gambia says, I think Eden Hazard is going to be the best player in the tournament. And staying with Belgium, Bizwek and Jaqua in Malawi says Kevin De Bruyne can do well. 
And finally, some players perhaps on the fringes that some have mentioned. Michael Johnson in Sierra Leone suggests England's Marcus Rashford. Moses in the Gambia says Paul Pogba of France. And Mamadou Bijalo in the Gambia goes for another French player, that striker Antoine Griezmann. Very, very interesting. Thanks so much for all of those comments. And uh, Stuart, talking about uh, those exciting players, interesting to see which clubs are well represented at the World Cup. There will be more players in the World Cup who play in the English Premier League than from any other countries. There's 130 Premier League players in the 32 World Cup squads. And Italy has got 58 Spain has got 81, Germany 67, France 49, uh, among the other leading leagues. But looking at the English Premier League, Manchester City have got 16 players in the World Cup, which, think about it, that means five players who cannot get in the starting lineup from Manchester City are in the World Cup. Chelsea and Tottenham have each got 12, Manchester United have got 11. Leicester City have got eight, Arsenal and Liverpool seven. Um, Interesting, uh, perhaps further evidence that the Premier League is certainly the most international, if not the strongest league that exists. Well, thanks, Stuart. That really is amazing. Manchester City, 16 players for various countries at the World Cup. Well, this week and throughout the World Cup on social media, you can send us your comments on Facebook and on WhatsApp, on the games and on the incidents that catch your attention. We'll be posting on Facebook throughout, so you can give us your comments anytime. On Facebook, it's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, next we move away from the World Cup to talk about a huge story in African football that's created shock and concern across the continent. A Ghanaian investigative journalist, Anas Aremayao Anas, produced a TV show with a Tiger IPI that was aired last week and has exposed corruption in football in Ghana and in the CAF Champions League and in international matches too. The footage shows referees accepting cash bribes to influence games and also shows the then Ghana Football Association president, Kwesi Nyantachi, uh, who was accepting apparently a gift of $65,000 in shopping money, so-called, from an undercover reporter as part of a deal. Nyantachi denies any wrongdoing, but he has resigned from the posts he held uh, with the FIFA Council and also with the Confederation of African Football, where he was the first vice president of CAF, making him the second most powerful man in African football. On Tuesday, the Ghana Football Association was barred by the High Court from all activities uh, for 10 days. Well, I'm joined by Planet Sport Football Africa's Erasmus Kwao from Accra in Ghana. Erasmus, uh, what's been the reaction there in Ghana? Well, the reaction in Ghana generally has been that of an outright condemnation of football, anybody related to it, and particularly the then GFA president, Mr. Kwesi Yantaji. Now, there's a tiny minority who still insists, though, that Mr. Yantaji did nothing wrong in his dealing with Taga Ai, saying that Mr. Yantaji had every right to brag about what he could do in trying to woe prospective investors. Zayantis' indiscretion did not only centre on football, but also politics, using his alleged close relationships with members of the ruling government in dealing with Tiger Eye. 
The government, you know, took a swift decision to deal with the issue. First, they directed the CID to investigate the embattled effort boss even before the video had been shown publicly. The Minister of Information subsequently issued a, a strong press release stating, and to quote him, government was taking steps to dissolve the Football Association, unquote. And that came after the video had been premiered. The Attorney General subsequently went to court to seek an order uh, to place a 10-day injunction on all football activities in the country. And that order was accepted by the court. And so certainly they are in the realm where they want to liquidate the FA and bring in a new football association altogether. Well, later that same day, government formed a three-member interim committee to oversee football in Ghana. And it includes Abedi Pele, well-known public figure in Ghana and an established ex-footballer. Tony Eboa is another well-known figure in Ghana football. And Dr. Kofi Amua, who was the chairman of Ghana's local organizing committee for the Africa Cup of Nations 2008. Well, the GFA and Mr. were a bit slow in reacting to happenings in the country. The FA initially backed Mr. Yantichi in their first press release. But after the FIFA Ethics Committee placed a 90-day preliminary ban on Mr. Yantichi, Mr. Yantichi tendered in his resignation letter. He did not admit any wrongdoing, but apologized to the presidency, the FA, family and friends for his indiscretion. Indeed, he has survived many scandals in the past, but this was one too many. Well, so massive effects there. Now, as fans of African football, we've heard so many stories about corruption in the game, of referees allegedly being bribed and of officials allegedly misusing money and taking bribes. But it's still shocking to hear these revelations, isn't it? Yes, indeed. It's, it's still shocking to hear and see these allegations, Steve. For many, this goes to confirm their worst fears. I think the difference this time is that we've had the opportunity to see the allegations live on video, courtesy Tiger IPI. Fans of the African game are still struggling to come to terms with the fact that they've been conned and defrauded for such a long time. One of the most damning videos revealed referee Samosuka taking money to award a fake penalty to a crass of folk in their game versus Kumasi Asante Kotoko. Now, that game is the biggest game in the local league. A few weeks ago, we marked another anniversary of the May 9, 2001 stadium disaster in Ghana, which claimed the lives of over 120 soccer fans. Interestingly, that game also involved Accra Hasafouk and Kumasi Asante Kotoko. It makes one wonder if the referees in that game also had taken bribes to throw the game. Well, you never know. Hitherto, the FA and the GFA and other FAs around the continent have asked for people to substantiate the allegations with evidence. And now we have the evidence. Admittedly, there's a break in trust between the football fans and the football association. And I think it will take concrete steps and some time for the FA to rebuild the relationship with the fans and re-establish trust. But the football brand has badly bruised. Yeah, no doubt. So do you think that this will help to clean up football in Ghana, Erasmus, and maybe even across Africa? Well, that's a tricky question to answer, Steve. The biggest question lingering on a lot of minds is, are there any clean people in Ghana football or African football? Because on the one hand, I believe the Espoza is forcing the FA to admit the weaknesses in its structures where power is centralised in the hands of a few men. The then FA president had the power to decide who became his vice president and make a lot of appointments. He could even take two hours to draft and sign a memorandum of understanding with Taga I team without even consulting the executive committee. Zayantich even took 
20-25% of the responsive deals to the FA under the pretext of a third party who allegedly brokered the deal. On the other hand, the three-member interim body set up by the Ghana presidency to oversee reforms in Ghana football includes Ghana great Abili Pele, whose team, Nania FC, were involved in a dubious 31-0 victory over Okowi United in a promotional league game in 2007. Even though Abidi Pele later went on to court to clear his name, some football fans and administrators feel he's not clean enough to lead reforms at the FA. Added to that list is another former Ghana great, Tony Eboa, who was found guilty of tax evasion in Germany in 2001. I think the biggest positive we can gain from this expose in the Ghana game and African game will be for federations to establish strong structures and empower them to deal with the rot in the game. That is, even if it involves the president of the FA. Yes, it might also mean the state getting involved to a certain degree. And you wonder if FIFA will allow that to happen. Well, that might be a long shot if we really want to clean up the system. It's, it's, it's a real difficult thing. Well, a lot of big questions there. Let's just hope this scandal in Ghana will have positive effects. Uh, thanks very much to Erasmus Quell in Accra. Well, that's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and WhatsApp, uh, do feel free to give us your thoughts and your comments uh, throughout the World Cup. Anything that catches your eye, uh, results involving African teams, any of the big stories that you'd like to comment on, go onto our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. We'll be posting there. Also send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.